Father Harrison, I have no idea how to start this show. I don't either. We, we, we have a lay invasion. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This is the biggest deal. This is the big, we finally have him on the show. I mean, yeah. I mean, okay, wait, to be fair, to be fair, every time we've tried to have him on, he keeps on putting us off for some reason. He's a very busy guy. He is a very busy guy. <laughs> I, I hear married people have a lot of things to do, you know? They, they don't only work on Sundays like we do. Like, we've got the whole week free. Do you want to introduce our guest? Guys, finally, for real, it's not a pre-recording. He's recording live with us right now. The one, the only, Tommy Ty! That was good. Thank you. Hi. The only time I've ever heard you say my name, Father Anthony, is when you were just dragging me in your episode of the flu. So it was nice to hear it in a positive way. <laughs> so, so for people who don't know, before I did it, like, I guess you can call this a real podcast, right? Well, well Spicy Nugs podcast is my first real podcast. And then there was this. But before that, <laughs> I did two joke podcasts with producer Nick, where I just read my own tweets, declared myself king of Catholic Twitter, and then made fun of other people on Twitter. It was very self-indulgent, but uh, yeah. You're not known for self-indulgence at all. I was laughing out loud. I mean, I'm really funny in real life, so yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys? How are you guys? Good. Just got back from pastoral council. Yes. Woo! I hope you guys accomplished so many things. We actually, it was our end of year meeting. Okay. End of year meeting. So we tried to do a barbecue, and we went to a prisoner's house for this. Bacon-infused sirloin beef patties that sounds what yeah that's great that's amazing yeah. that, sounds, that sounds very american maybe i should rethink when i decline pastoral counsel i might need to rethink it yeah you have to move up here or i have to move down there one of the two <laughs> tommy keeps on begging me to move down there <laughs> you used to live here right so come on Were i lived you... there for three and a half months that's three good enough months. you can come that's back good enough. there you go and you know we had beer and wine and all sorts of good stuff we only have to talk about one thing it's because my my duties in the diocese are expanding we have a community that has no priest now that's about an hour away so we're trying to figure out how i can serve that community as well once in a while so between the two of you guys you have like what 14 parishes is that how it works um well we only have eight <laughs> okay yeah. all right and i have seven of them <laughs> yeah because i'm such a good priest they gave me a lot of parishes that's the most fun and the perfect fact number about... and the perfect yeah. number well it's the most fun fact about my priesthood i have been a priest for almost three years i have had 10 different parishes huh that's pretty great that's crazy it is it's funny because i know priests who have been priests for like 40 years and we only had six but this is this is where we're at right now yeah. that being said as i mentioned before we're gonna have those seven parishes become one will be called holy spirit parish that'll happen july 1st that was my yeah. childhood parish growing up so i was excited to hear that nice yeah. it's good it works this this uh this being clerically speaking tommy how many parishes do you have i uh go to a di <laughs> couple different ones but i don't have any role in leading them thank god thanks be to god <laughs> Is <laughs> is not the home the first parish, Paul Harrison? Right, this, that's there right. There you go. There we go. How many kids do you have again? Uh, we have five children. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, five. Good. Yeah. Do you want to tell us where you're recording from? <laughs> I'm sitting in a 2008 Toyota Sienna minivan uh, in my garage <laughs> with the door locked, and uh, it's got about 108,000 miles on it. So it's going pretty good. What's, what's that in kilometers? Uh, wow, I don't even know. <laughs> nobody, no, literally nobody cares about that question, Paul Harrison. <laughs> Not one a, person. There was a screenshot today on Twitter someone was sharing of Fox News and like the little bar at the bottom where they were discussing said, is the metric system completely made up? 
And I loved the caption because it was like, as opposed to what? Like, <laughs> of course it's made up. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Wait, I just lost Father Anthony. Did I? Did we lose Father Anthony? Father Anthony, you still there? He's on pause. That's good. Let's do this. Let's take it over. Let's just, let's just take it over. Let's say, hey, uh, sorry. Uh, oh. Oh, oh, too bad. Sorry, he came back. Sorry, that know. was producer Nick. He messed up my Skype call. Oh, okay. Can we, can we invite producer Nick onto the call? Yeah, but it's going to be weird for people listening to the podcast. Uh, uh, that's true. Never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Clerically Speaking. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Father Anthony Sharapa. I'm Father Harris Nair. And like I said, with us is Tommy Todd. Yeah, hello. Tommy. Hey, hi. Tommy, uh, so you are a very important person on Catholic Twitter. Not hardly. No. Uh, well, in as much as Catholic Twitter You're is important. kind of an OG of Catholic Twitter. That's mm-hmm. so funny because the people who are actually OG kind of say, like, when I showed up, it got ruined. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are those people? Uh, and well, what I are their get, addresses? I, <laughs> Um, I, from what I hear before I came around, it was all like, uh, a lot more, you know, the good things like the prayer and the supportive stuff that's still there, but I think it used to only be that and wasn't oh, okay. snarky, jokey stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. I can't imagine that it was like that. Right. That's what I hear. Hmm. And you've also, you've written or helped write two books, right? Uh, At least two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wrote a little bit of the Catholic hipster handbook. Um, and then my wife and I wrote a book called how to catholic family and then we wrote a mad mm-hmm. libs book so mm-hmm. and then i accidentally i accidentally have a book about mary um coming out from our sunday visitor i say accidentally because i didn't know you're not supposed to sign contracts with other publishers when you're writing for other publishers so oh really uh, i did find oh, that out after posting about it on instagram and i instantly got an email so god bless the people from ave maria for being cool <laughs> are they they're gonna let you do it then yeah yeah it just had to oh, it had nice. to wait a year and isn't that, there a second catholic hipster handbook coming out there is this fall very exciting uh, a whole different group of people so and it has cool. dorothy day on the cover instead of jp2 so spreading the love a little bit you know and you got nice. what bishop umbers doing the forward i uh something like that? i had bishop umbers doing the oh. forward and the oh. uh, thing about writing okay. books is they cut things out for when you don't want them to oh mm-hmm. but i was excited yeah. about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, oh. we know what it's like to have to cut Bishop Umbers out of a podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> Was you he know. cut out of your podcast? Well, I mean, we tried to have him on, and then, you know, yeah. stuff happens. Bishop, we're just sad. We just want to have no, him on no. the podcast. He's, he's probably going to come out in July. All right. Probably. There we go. I'll yes. believe it when I see it. I, I trust the good Bishop. He's a listener of the podcast. Hello, Bishop Umbers. I liked the forward for the record. He's gone around his entire Archdiocesan office saying, You have to listen to this podcast. That's pretty Which, nice. That's, that's great. It is. That's like, that's for me, that's the king of endorsements from clerical <laughs> Twitter. That's mm-hmm. it. If you, got the, if you got the Umbers endorsement, you're doing good. <laughs> okay, but hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I have to ask Tommy a question. And I'm going to be very straightforward with this, Tommy. Okay, I'm ready. Why'd you ask my youth minister to write a chapter, but not me? Oh, great question. Yeah. I don't know. Why did I do that? I feel mm. like it, well, I'm not sure. I think I, I asked him. I mean, when I asked people, it was years ago. Um, okay. That's how it kind of worked. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting older, and he had a very popular podcast, which I'm assuming maybe is still popular at the time. Now? I don't know. No, no one listens no. to The Crunch. Okay. No well, it was popular at one time. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. So that's why. Yeah. I actually, then, I asked well, him. Well, then we came and, around. I asked him and yeah. Ethan to, to like write together, and then Ethan just never emailed me back, so Patrick did. That's why he got <laughs> on. We don't, Father Anthony and I know nothing about writing together at all, 
You know, yeah. <laughs> but you know who does know? You know who does know about writing something? Who? Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> and now it's time for the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Is it that was that the smooth? smoothest one we've had in a long time. We are <laughs> dude, bad. No, 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 dude, dude. I had a great one this morning. Did you? Yeah, I said you're talking about weightlifting. I said you want to know who else was swole? St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> no, mine was better. So uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Tommy, yes, Tommy. Do you do you want to lead us off? Yeah. Do, do you, you have, have one? For, do you have one for me to read, or am I supposed to come up with one? You, you, yeah, you can choose one. Okay, so Tommy will Tommy will not lead no. us off. I'll start. <laughs> You go. You can start. <laughs> Already regretting inviting him on the show. Ah, yes, that's all I was going for. It's good. <laughs> okay, so this one is from Darren at Milan Catholic. He says three statements that are usually followed by nonsense. One, I grew up Catholic, but dot dot dot. Two, I grew. I am Catholic, but and three, I went to Catholic school. So, and this has been happening a lot on the Twitters lately, yeah. where um people begin by like they make themselves an authority by saying they once went to church in some sort of way yeah there was some guy who just there was like a bishop and he who was that guy he like replied to a bishop and said listen i'm a catholic and you're not a moral authority to a bishop i saw that yeah it was to bishop tobin it blew my mind Mm -hmm. (laughs) well here's the thing yeah everyone who's been baptized and falls away from the faith they are haunted by their baptism because no one's more excited to talk about their faith than someone who used to be Catholic. <laughs> they do talk about it more than those of us who are hardcore Catholic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's awkward. So I totally get it. And, you know, who, who knows Who knows why they left? Maybe there are good reasons. I mean, there's no good reason, but maybe more understandable reasons. I don't know. But 100% sure if they begin a sentence with that, they're just going to spew garbage out afterwards. <laughs> It's, we, we get real, Tommy. He's only listened to one episode of the podcast. Two, two, two. The first one and the last one. Yeah. Ooh, the first one wasn't very good. No, but I listened to it because I didn't know that I was a joke at that point. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to it. Oh, yeah. right. We gotcha. We then gotcha. it's like I get the weekly routine of mute this conversation every time you guys put the <laughs> Wow. But you know what? That's okay because before you do that, you click like. That's true. So that's all that matters. I, I have to. Yeah. For the... F- for, for the Lord. Tommy's a good liker. For the Lord. Tommy's a good liker. Yeah, but it's, it's mm-hmm. funny because like when you're, you like a lot of things and then people will literally come back at you with screenshots being like, why'd you like this tweet? That is like, oh my the gosh. weakest thing you can do on Twitter. <laughs> that is the most pathetic thing you can do on Twitter or any social media is to screenshot someone's like and question them about it. Yeah. Right? It's like, I'm just hitting the like. I don't, I don't have any idea. <laughs> okay wait hold on i've got okay. one here okay okay i had a protestant uh accosting me on twitter um basically telling me that the catholic church is of satan because we uh, i think they said prohibit priests from getting married 
Um, so I tried to point out how wrong they were. And they said this to me, quote, in a tweet, no one who reads first Timothy four, one through five returns to the Catholic church the following Sunday. Um, and I read it and I was like confused as to why that was their conclusion. Like, because it, yeah. I, I didn't really understand where they were coming from, but, mm-hmm. um, the good thing was I tweeted that and I, I tweeted their quote, um, and probably like 50 people were like, wow, I opened the Bible to read it, and I feel even more Catholic now. What, what, what was the quote? The quote? Because I'm Catholic, I don't actually know what the verses are. Yeah, yeah, dang it, now I gotta look it up. It's something about like, um, you know, it's it's like evil to to not, to say that marriage is bad, and that not eating certain things is bad, stuff like that. We never said marriage is bad. I'm also not, uh, the funny thing was I said nobody, nobody uh, is forcing priests to not be able to get married. It's like yeah, a voluntary right. thing, and they're like, Breaking news, the Catholic Church doesn't force priests to not get married. It was really yeah. awesome. I thought I was going to win, but I didn't. I'm pretty sure probably at one point in time, we actually read that at Mass. Right? It's right. It's like uh, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits that are taught by demons. Then I'll skip down. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected. Boy, you could take that all kinds of places. So their point yeah. was just that, you know, forbidding yeah. marriage, that was their slam dunk thing that they said no one's ever read this and not stayed Catholic. So hmm. surprise, surprise. But you're still Catholic? You went to Mass the next Sunday? You know, I haven't gone to Mass since I got that tweet, but I'm going to go tomorrow oh. morning, hopefully, unless oh, okay. something happens. Oh, okay. We'll pray for you. Thank you. All right. I got, I got one that I'm hoping will be in, in Tommy's wheelhouse here uh, with his family. So from Elizabeth Brunig. Uh, try to teach toddler the Lord's Prayer. Would say it was about 15% successful. And lead us not into the kitchen. <laughs> Tommy. I love that. What, what's it like re- teaching kids prayers? Uh, my favorite one is that my wife's family, uh, when they say the before meal prayer, uh, when you usually stop and start eating, they say, may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. They oh, add yeah. that on. And for the first like seven times I visited her family, I started eating until I got the hang of it. But my now seven-year-old was four at the time. He used to say, may the souls in the faithful apartment through the mercy of God rest <laughs> in peace. Amen. Which was great. I enjoyed that's that. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Lasagna in the highest. That's pretty, that's a pretty, a pretty lasagna common one. Lasagna <laughs> 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 I love that. Like I just think it's just because they're so eager and they want to do it. Yeah. But they're not yeah. hearing it. Their their brains still aren't like. But they're still it going yeah, yeah. with it. They're just like they're yeah. going with it. There's an apartment somewhere. Not and it's into like... the kitchen, <laughs> but deliver us from free wills. <laughs> right. I think that's a Cal- I think that's a Calvinist prayer. Isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> deliver us from free will. <laughs> The praying, the praying is good stuff. It's it's yeah. truly a, a joy, especially when you, it's it time for bed and the kids are like, I'm like, pick one prayer before we go to bed. And they're like, the rosary. I'm like, ah. <laughs> is this, is you this got your me. ploy to stay up later? I think it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's kind of brilliant, though. It is kind of brilliant. You're like, how can I say no to praying more? Right? No, it's a big sucker move right there. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't want to be like, you don't want to die and meet Jesus. And it's like, yeah, that one time your kid asked to pray the rosary and you were like, no, go to bed. <laughs> That was bad. Oh, man. Uh, This one is from our friend Hunter Lanceman. He says, went to confession, and after absolution, the priest instructed me to go out and forgive others as I have been forgiven. For it is through forgiveness that we bring the joy of Christ to the world. So that was nice. And this is a big one because 
I think if we have trouble forgiving, there can be a lot of reasons, but I think one of the reasons we have trouble forgiving is because we have not fully seen or accepted the reality and the depth of our own sin mm-hmm. and or the mercy of God in forgiving that. Because if you think about all that God has forgiven you and all that God has prevented you and saved you from that you didn't even have to confess uh, because of his grace, how can you not then forgive others? So the priest kind of saying that at the end of confession is a nice reminder. I really like that. Hmm. I mean, I'm not going to do it because I'm very stuck in my own habits in the confessional, but I think it's nice that someone does it. I'm cool if it's like just a thing he's saying. If it's a penance that he's giving, those kind of penances make me so anxious because I don't. Those are the worst. Like I got one a couple times ago where the priest was like, I want you to do something uh, out of character and nice for your wife. And for like the, the next week, I would I would like do something and be like, what did you think that that was nice? Like because I was like waiting to like be able to know that I had accomplished this task. <laughs> That same so priest they, also, I, I confess this sin of like, you know, just, uh, you know, I, I won't even mention it. But anyway, he said to me, when was the last time you wrote your wife a love letter? And I got to say back to him, the last time I came to confession with you. And he just started <laughs> laughing so hard. So that was good too. But So with that, you know, this is a, it's interesting. Cause like, so I think sometimes like doing like, like these different things is not a bad idea, but you got to be concrete with people. So like if I want to, you know, I want you to do something for nice. I'll say, so what kind of things does your wife appreciate you doing? Um, she likes it when I make dinner for her. Well, great. Your penance is you're going to make dinner tonight. Yes, or that would like be, that, that's right? good. That's good. That's good. Fine. Because I'm asking, because I don't know what your wife likes. I don't right. know how your guys' relationship works. So I can't say, like, I, it's like when someone says to me, um, uh, something like, I want you to do an act of kindness at some point. I'm like, I gave someone a quarter. Does that count <laughs> or not? Like, I can't, I don't like the vagueness, you know? Yeah. Because that's the other thing. Because it's not fair to the penitent. You have to be clear. And if they're not clear, I think you, you you got a lot more leeway about whether you fulfilled your penance or not. Right. Especially if someone uh, suffers from scruples, too, because mm, right, they can drive yeah. themselves crazy with a, with a vague penance. So, yeah. so wait, yeah. Father Harrison, I haven't seen you move from your seat, yeah. but as I see you take another sip of your beer, it's more full than it was last time. And I want to know how That's that because happened. I, you have someone there. Do priests just have people there? To, oh, okay. There's the answer. The growler. I, I, Good call. The growler. I, I had a bit of leftover beer from the pastoral council. I just pictured so the height of clericalism that you have some like <laughs> nun refilling your yes. beer while you record a podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> I would never assume that. I mean, that would be totally on brand for this podcast. <laughs> I mean, we were trying to find someone to ordain you a deacon ahead of time so that you could be on the podcast. Oh, man. That would have been great. That would have been really intense. <laughs> I would have had to grow a mustache. That would have been tough. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a massive pot belly. And, yeah. Whoa. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. But I could have given some really good homilies like, you know, today's gospel reminds me of the Pixar movie Up. In that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was a literal homily at my, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, you're going to ask something, Father Anthony? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I would never assume that you just had a servant bringing you beer with your incredible holiness i assume that the angels it just, just re- rebuild it for you <laughs> there you go exactly so you do tell me do you like the the beer can- yeah the oh, beer can- oh wow look at that behind me the yeah. poor people at home not getting to see that that's tough. i know i know you have to come up here sometime and drink it with me i would love to i've been to well i've only i've been to vancouver one uh once and victoria once so why not again so you need to come up here at some point so we can go see a canucks game together oh man the only time i've ever gone was a preseason game against the Oilers, and it was 800 times more exciting than a playoff game in California, yep. I'll tell you the truth. Yep. 
and I'm going to the uh, I'm going to Father Anthony's falling asleep right now just for. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I, I heard the hockey, and I just, it's kind of late back here. The NHL draft is in Vancouver this year. Oh. One thing that's weird for an American when you go to a hockey game in Canada is that during the national anthem, everyone's just screaming and going crazy, and it's very unsettling, because in America, it's like, you would be arrested if you if you did that. <laughs> it's a weird difference between our countries. It is a weird difference. It is, yes, yes. Anyway, this cool. is not what the people come for. Who's up? <laughs> uh, I thought that we've, got, we've done like four. It's time for Patreon. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. Wait, I have to uh, donate oh. to your Patreon? Oh, my God. That wasn't part of the no, deal. No, no, okay. you don't. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no. Yeah, didn't you know that, you know, you have to pay like a $5,000 fee to come on the, the, this podcast? <laughs> Haven't you been hearing what's been going on in the church lately? You got to pay <laughs> us a lot of money to be around us, okay? I'm kidding, folks. Joke, oh, joke. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Now it's time for Patreon <laughs> pontifications. <laughs> Patreon pontifications. You support us. We read your tweets. I mean, I get it's like $100 for flowers every day. At least that's pretty. I mean, it's better mm -hmm. than some of the other stuff the money was being wasted on. <laughs> like a $4.8 million renovation to his Episcopal residence? I think the best, in San Jose, that the retired bishop like bought like a $2 million house and everyone on Twitter went nuts. And then later that day, it was like, never mind, we sold it and he's moving into a rectory. Well, and, but initially, this is where I was like, I was just like, what's going on with this? Because they were doubling down saying, well, we owe him a place to retire to. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but not a $2 million house. Well, the thing is, a lot of people were like, well, in California. And I'm like, no, that's not true. Like, I know no. it's a thing to think like a tiny house is $2 million, but not not really. No. Patreon modifications. <laughs> Please consider donating to our Patreon. Money goes to paying for our equipment and podcast hosting fees, as well as paying producer Nick a just wage for all the work he does. And he's going to have to do a lot of, a lot work, of work on this, this episode. <laughs> Any money collected that goes beyond that will be donated to the Missionaries of Charity. Go to patreon.com slash speaking to have a having your chosen tweet talked about on the podcast. This week's tweet comes from Lisa Marie Catherine at Not A Taxi. Wow, that's an amazing handle. And it's a, uh, a tweet from a classmate of mine, the Frank Fryer at Carmelite Nick. We went to seminary together. And it's a video of him uh, trying out a new prosthetic. So hopefully my prototype prosthetic, this is my prototype prosthetic. Hopefully in about two weeks, I'll have a permanent one and get up and get moving around. So he like lost his like foot, um, I think through diabetes. And he's had a lot of like really powerful reflections. He has his own kind of social media thing um, at Frank Fryer. And it's just kind of neat to see him doing that. And uh, yeah, just being a priest, yeah. kind of feats. That's interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Very powerful. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you say prosthetic again? Yeah, you say it weird. I, I knew it. I felt super insecure <laughs> as I said it. But then you said it again. Yeah. That was pretty brave. Yeah, I that said it good. again, and then I was so flustered by how badly I said it, I could not read that tweet because it just came out all wrong. Uh, prosthetic. 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 It sounds like, it sounds like a, an Italian drink or something like that, you know? I know. I shouldn't read the tweets. We should just have someone else read the tweets. That's good enough. Thanks for donating to Anyways, our Patreon. I yes. really appreciate and it. And God bless you, Friar Dick. We'll be praying for you. As, yeah, as, he's a really good dude. This. Check out yeah. his stuff on Twitter. Um, yeah. And he's got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Frank, The Frank Friar. So I got a question. What's the next segment? Because it can't this is be, like uncharted yeah, territories. Right. Or do I just well, listen? I think, is the podcast I just sit and listen? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you're on, it can't be because it's not pet. It's not presbyteral exhortations anymore. No, it's no. not. He, he's going to be exhorting us, but he's not a priest. Right. So and he's like, thank when, God. When do lay people and priests ever talk to each other about things? Meetings. Meetings. Twitter. Twitter, I guess. Yeah. But I'm thinking more meetings. I'm thinking more of what Father Harrison did earlier today. Pastoral we'll call council? this segment Pastoral Council. Is it going to get new bumper music? <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Gonna, it means new bumper music. Very nice. All thanks to you. Very All nice. thanks to you. We have to keep. We have to keep producer Nick. You gotta get those like inventive juices going all the time, right? You yeah, gotta you gotta keep, keep him, him busy. Game, Otherwise, game, yeah, he's exactly. just ratio ratioing his because, brother. Because yeah. Well, it's all, I mean, like <laughs> let's let's be honest. Lay people have nothing to do. It's true. Uh, and now it's time for pastoral council, where the laity are empowered to say words. Oh, yippee! Opinions. Oh, that makes me so uncomfortable. I know we're joking. Okay, so we're, uh, joking. <laughs> we're joking. Joke, joke. Okay, so, so, uh, Tommy. Yes, hello. Uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, we were talking about anxiety and depression, and I was kind of sharing my experience with it, and then we talked about it as much as we can as priests in our experience with kind of ministering to people with mental illness and talking about that. Good for you, by the way, Father. You did a great job. I was proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I'm very thankful that I'm in a place where I can share that in a healthy way. I couldn't have done it three years ago. So praise God for that. And so, but we did want to have someone who's more of an expert. So Tommy, what's your like real job? Uh, my real job is uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And mm -hmm. um, despite what people want me to help them with, I work for the the county. I should probably mention I'm not representing the place I work at all on this podcast. Just in case anyone right. listens, this is just this is just this is Tommy just Ty being Tommy Ty. Yeah. So, yeah. A marriage and family therapist, I I work with uh, mostly chronically and severely mentally ill folks like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, and other ones. And I've been doing that. Let's see, I got licensed just before my first son was born, so it'll be about ten years. And then you have to do internship stuff before that. So I don't know, fifteen and all maybe. So that's it. That's me. Yeah. Cool. So you kind of know what you're doing by now. What made you want to get into that? Actually, it was a high school psychology class. I took AP Psych in high school, and just uh, the teacher captivated me, and that was it. Hmm. It was cool. junior year of high school. Done deal. Nice. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, I don't and know so what I want to be when I grow up, so I'm just taking physics. I'm like, no, I'm done. I already know. Let's go. That <laughs> <laughs> <It> worked out. <laughs> so, have you grown up, though? Have I grown up? Yes. No, yes. not really. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but thank God for Twitter because there's an outlet for my sarcasm instead of there. What does your wife think of your Twitter account, by the way, before we get serious? Usually, yeah. if I show her the ones that I'm like, she doesn't, she tries not to check Twitter anymore because it drives her crazy. So she, I've tried to convince her to go to Instagram where people are like nice and friendly and stuff. So sometimes I'll come home and I'll be like, uh, like I did that today. I was like, check out this funny tweet that all these people liked and tell me you love it. And then she reads it and she's like, eh like that so that's pretty <laughs> much that's it wow yeah. it's good yeah. i need that i need that she keeps you humble yes she keeps you humble but she's right let's be fair and oh right. by the way folks she is like the best cake maker i've ever seen <laughs> she does make cake toppers she made an our lady of guadalupe for my son's birthday it was good i like the pictures you posted i'm like oh my gosh those are high quality if you want to know what it's like to be a parent um let's see five plus seven minutes ago she texted me baby asleep and now she just texted me baby awake 
This is this is how it works, everybody. <laughs> that is it. Fabiously <laughs> made me awake. Thank you, Karen, for sacrificing Tommy for the She's hour. She's not going to listen, Father. It. No, I doubt it. I know. Okay. <laughs> but I'll tell her you I'll said be... that. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, that, that that's good. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Before right. we get into talking about your work, Tommy, can you tell us a little bit just about your faith journey? Have you always been super catholic yes no like how how you come to the faith uh okay adopted at three weeks old so i had um two my birth parents were 18 year olds who were good catholics so they didn't use contraception um but they also gave me up for adoption so that was good um so at three weeks i was adopted by my parents my dad was in high school seminary as it seems everybody was of his generation um, yeah. so, mm -hmm. uh, my mom had two sisters who were sisters, religious sisters and kind of considered it herself. Uh, the family story was always that my dad left the seminary to, to marry my mom. He actually left the seminary. I find out in my late twenties to, uh, try and chase down some other girl and that didn't work out, but then he met my mom. So slightly not as uh, romantic <laughs> as I always thought, but it, <laughs> it worked out. Um, so they were, you know, we lived right across the street from our church, Holy Spirit Parish. I was an altar server. Um, they taught RCIA out of our living room. So I would kind of sit in the RCIA with them and, uh, answer all the questions that none of the other people knew the answers to. Uh, I was kind of that annoying person. Um, then I went to college. I went to UC Santa Barbara, kind of drifted away, kept going to mass every Sunday, but definitely not, uh, as you know, faithful as I should have been during that time. Uh, when my wife and I got married, let's see, I met her, we got married, got married in the church, all that kind of stuff. Um, had a kid. And then after we had our first kid, there was like a moment of truth, kind of like we go to mass every Sunday, but like, so what does that mean? And now we have this kid and we're going to raise him Catholic. But like, what does that even mean? Is this something that like we're serious about? Cause now someone's going to be like, uh, I don't want to say judging us, but kids kind of watch you and they're paying attention to you and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. At the same time, I had a transition at work where I had absolutely nothing to do for like months. And I stumbled upon uh, Catholic Answers, the show that a lot of people stumble upon. And one of the things I heard on that show one day was if you don't believe what the church teaches. Now, I'm not saying this is I'm just saying what I heard. But if you don't believe what the church teaches, you shouldn't be going up to communion because going up and receiving communion is a sign of you believing everything and being in communion with the church. Uh, and that really like shook me a lot because I, uh, you know, going up and receiving the Eucharist was something that I valued. But uh, there was definitely things that I was doing that was outside of church teaching and I knew it. Um, so uh, that made me try to look into one of the teachings that I disagreed with. So I uh, printed out a, a papal encyclical. I was like, all right, I'm going to read these 31 paragraphs and I'm going to see how stupid the Pope is and I'm going to keep <laughs> on doing what I'm doing. And that's not how it went. So uh, Humanae Vitae is a very good, straightforward, easy to understand, you know, cuts right through you kind of papal encyclical. And that was mm -hmm. the start of it. Um, so then I became a really annoying revert where I thought I knew all the answers to everything because I listened to Catholic answers, you know, for six months um, and then kind of, you know, slowly developed that way. So that's kind of how it went. Cool. And here we are. It's very interesting to me that like what you're saying there, too, because my experience slowly now, is, especially as a pastor, is having that first kid or that set, like having kids gets you to reevaluate everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, it makes you feel like you really have to claim what you believe and have a reason for it like never before, you know? I mean, I know it's kind of funny. I think about all these things that have happened in my life that have really shook me and like made me actually want to like strive for holiness. Uh, and it's funny because like God's always there 
Jesus was always there. Mary's always there. All these things, the church was always there, but like, it's not, it's weird to say, but it's like that, that wasn't enough to really take it seriously for me. It's like having a kid changed everything for me. Uh, when our son died, it was like, that made me want to strive to get to heaven more than anything else. And I think it's, it's, it's fascinating how, uh, God knows that he's everything that we need, but he also kind of realizes that because of our, uh, material existence, he has to like have these certain things kind of strike us in a material way that kind of drive us closer to him. It, it fascinates me. And that just makes me think, because um, even the, in the marriage rites, it's pretty heavily, there's a few times I mentioned uh, having children. And if marriage is going to be its own experience of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then children are going to be a part of that. So that, you know, just makes a lot of sense to me. It does. Should they change it, though, to say something like, you know, the, should they drive it home a little bit more instead of saying that you should be open to having children to make you realize, like, what that actually means when you're getting married? I wonder about that sometimes. Because it's like, mm. I would have thought, yeah, I'm open to having children, of course. Right, right. So I think that language is, and this is me just speculating, um, that you have to, one, not every sexual act has to equal a baby all the trads just um, logged off way to go i know they, the trads don't listen yeah, why to don't this. you have 40 babies tommy come on <laughs> right right but i think i think that openness is leaving room for god's providence right yeah i think that and, and your freedom uh, and your freedom right like, you have a freedom in your marriage and the cross for some married couples is they don't, uh, they might not be able to have children. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so that's there too. So it's not like because you aren't able to have children doesn't mean that you can't be married. Thank so, God. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of good married couples uh, who can't do that. Uh, so Tommy, you listened to the episode. And so my question is, the big one, were the things that we got wrong, things we got right, things that you would want to caution people uh, what was your perspective? Ah, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great to hear you talk about how you reached out to get help. I, I think the number mm -hmm. one thing that um, that people have a myth around is that it's a sign of weakness to reach out and get help from people. Um, you know, it's, it's really important when somebody comes in for the first time for therapy or for medication to really talk to them about how that's such a huge sign of strength, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I think that's something we have to fight against. I don't know how it is in Canada, but I assume it's the same in America. It's like a very much like you should be able to take care of this yourself. Um, and I think all of us kind of like put that out there sort of unwittingly, we should be able to handle this ourselves, you know? Um, and so it takes people longer, I think, to reach out for help for therapy or, or meds. And, um, so I think that was a big thing, sharing that you go, sharing that you felt like a certain way, um, being open and talking about feeling suicidal or, or even passively suicidal is like a really helpful thing. Cause I'm pretty sure, I don't know. I, I think most people have felt passively suicidal. Like, you know what? It's just not worth it. Like that kind of that brief thought or, it would be really great if I could just go to bed and not wake up in the morning. Um, if we could normalize that that happens to most people at some point, I, I think that would really go a long way to help us because it's a pretty lonely experience. Um, all these things where we suffer are lonely experiences because nobody talks about it. Then if you, mm -hmm. you experience something and you share it, all these people start to tell you about it, which is really helpful. Um, the thing that I would most caution about, at least in Catholic circles, two things. One, and you, you address this, uh, a lot of people come to me and say, can you help me find a good Catholic therapist? And um, I think that's, it's a good intention. The problem is, is that I've heard a lot of people going to see a Catholic therapist for a certain diagnosis or issue that the therapist has no expertise in um, just because uh -huh. they're Catholic. And that's kind of not going to be helpful for you. 
Um, and I, I'm the most people I know, all the therapists that I know, I could definitely say if you sit down and it, like, I think a lot of people are mostly worried about couples counseling, right? Like, what if they tell me that I'm going to get, I need to get divorced. Uh, if you tell a therapist that, look, I'm Catholic, we're staying together. The reason we're here is because we're going to work this out. Divorce isn't an option. Um, they're going to respect that. Or if they're not, they're going to tell you right up if they're worth their weight, they're going to say, well, listen, I believe that people should get divorced sometimes. Then you say, okay, cool. Uh, but most therapists will respect that. So um, the other thing is uh, there's a tendency to, I saw this today on Twitter, uh, a really great person who does the divine mercy on the radio uh, tweeted about it going on the radio and said, anxiety can be, can be removed through prayer. Depression can be removed through prayer. Obviously that's true. Yes, that can happen, uh, but it doesn't happen for most of us, I would say. Um, so that's a slippery slope, I think, where people think, I'm not praying the right way. I'm not praying hard enough. Why isn't God alleviating this? And I think it can really hurt people a lot. Yeah, I think there's a, like we were talking about a bit, right? There's this tendency to, where you can over-spiritualize some psychological conditions, right? Oh, and that's, yeah. That is not helpful. It right? is really heartbreaking to me when somebody calls in because I listen to Catholic radio when I'm driving to work. People will call in uh, saying that they think they're possessed by a demon, right? Um, and we'll start talking about the things that are happening. And inevitably, people will give the recommendation to go see a priest, which is fine, but praying prayers of deliverance and start going through sort of like the exorcism stuff. And then maybe at the end, they might toss in a like, oh, and you might want to ask your doctor to get you checked out. But me, I'm sitting there listening to this person going like, holy smokes, this person's mentally ill. They need help, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's difficult. Yeah. Like I, I, I always say to people like, I've had I, when I was at the cathedral, we had to, I dealt with a lot of people say, oh yeah, I think I'm possessed or I think there's some sort of possession stuff going on. The I, I would often I would always be willing to go bless their house because that's always a good thing to do. Why for not? Me. Right? Yeah. Why not? Right? And if nothing changes or whatever, I say, okay. Well, the next step is I need you to go see a doctor. Right. I need to go. I need to go see one because I need to rule out all possibilities that this is human. Totally. Right. Exactly. And yeah. and then only like. Only then can we say this is something serious because um, otherwise it, it become because it can feed this like the psychosis or whatever it might be that's going on. And that's dangerous. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll say dangerous. that I think a, a common thing that I mean, when people are experiencing psychosis, they're they're hearing voices, they're having these delusional thoughts about things that are happening. And when you're when you're trying to think through and figure out why these things are happening to you, it has to be a big force that's doing it right. And so that's why you see these themes in people with delusions uh, and voices that it's like the government, right? It's, sometimes it's the government, sometimes mm -hmm. it's God, because who can do who can have their voice coming to us from all these different angles. And so it makes sense to sort of have a hyper religious bent toward a delusion when you're trying to figure it out. So I think it's worth remembering that, you know, that, mm -hmm. that just because someone's uh, like today, I've literally met with someone today who said every time he tried to read the Bible, there would be spirits coming out of the page, like blocking it so he couldn't read the Bible. And I think it's very mm -hmm. easy to, to, to say, wow, maybe the devil's trying to do something to you. But again, it's like you have hallucinations and you make that connection because it makes sense in your cultural framework, right? In your religious framework, where that would come from. So, yeah. And just to like affirm this, this isn't just um, priests and layperson who don't believe in the devil or anything. Oh, like not that. at all. No. It, <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so I've I've worked with a few people who've had 
difficulties in not knowing whether or not this was uh, a psychosis or something something more spiritual, a spiritual attack in that way. And so I'm I've been in regular contact uh, with an expert from our diocese who he's a layperson and he's an expert in this and he assists in many exorcisms. And this is something he's always looking for as well. And any exorcist will tell you like you have to go see. Uh, a doctor. You have to see a therapist to have these things checked out. So this isn't just us saying it. This is the church saying it as well. Uh, experts who deal with this and he you know, has helped out with exorcisms almost on a weekly basis at times. So it's coming from someone who, who does see this stuff for real. So just to affirm that. Yeah, I mean, we have to remember that that definitely can happen, right? People can be possessed. People can have demons messing with them and things like that. But just like for me as a mental health person, I want to rule out physical health conditions that might cause mental health stuff, right? Like maybe you have depression because you have a hypothyroid condition and that would be treated differently. Um, same mm -hmm. thing with, if we're looking at possession, we want to rule out those things and we want to rule out mental illness before we like kind of take it to that step, I think. Exactly. So I, I, I had a question from the last one that I, you know, I, I noticed, I mean, my side of the work is I can tell when people over spiritualize things. Is it possible for people to over-psychologize things? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> the, the, the place I see this the most is when people have been told that they have a diagnosis uh, and then everything that happens in their life, they chalk up to that diagnosis. Uh, a lot of people who experience bipolar disorder, so they're kind of like told, well, you're either sad or you're happy. And they start to think like, or, or when, you're, when your mood is elevated or you're manic, you can be irritable and angry and things like that. And so then anytime they experience that, they're like, oh, they'll come in and say, well, I got angry because my husband did this and that, but it must be my bipolar disorder. And it's like, no, no, no. Like I, I try to like normalize things too, right? Like, like mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. a mental health issue. That doesn't mean everything that's happening to you is because of that mental health issue. And I think right. um, people can lose that and start to think uh, I am my diagnosis. So everything that happens is because of my anxiety or my depression when most of the stuff that happens to you is still normal, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't mm -hmm. get angry when you're hungry because you have bipolar disorder. Everyone gets angry when they're hungry. And I think we need to like <laughs> reaffirm that for people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people one of their hesitations about going to see a counselor of some sort is they're kind of worried about what their therapist will think about them. So I was hoping you'd talk a little bit about what's your experience on the other side, on the other, in the other chair, uh, listening to people when someone comes in and maybe they're nervous about what they're saying or what's going on. What's your experience like doing this work? Uh, well, I think, um, first of all, it's, um, most of a, my personal experience is I have a lot of compassion for people who come in. Um, because I know that they really are trying to get help, right? They're suffering in some way and they need some help. So it starts there. Um, compassion. I'm proud of them for coming in. Um, and then th the thing that's interesting is that like, um, I know therapists are notorious for never giving people answers or advice, but most people already know uh, what they need to hear. They've heard it from mm -hmm. their own thoughts. They've heard it from their family members, but it just doesn't click, right? And hearing it from like another source or uh, just kind of having a little different perspective can really change things for people. So it's really, um, it's not like, I I'm never thinking like, oh, this person's like an idiot. Why can't they figure this out on their own? I'm more super excited to be able to say, have you ever thought that this might be because of this other thing? And to have people be like, wow, I never thought mm -hmm. of that. And I, I feel like we're on like this journey together, you know? So it's, mm -hmm. it's really fun and exciting. Um, I mean, that being said, 
I'm a therapist. I walk around and I'm silently like judging everybody who I see in regular life, uh, <laughs> more so than people who I'm actually seeing at work. Like I, I'm more like uh, compassionate to them and other people. I'm like, oh, this guy's got a personality disorder. Like at the grocery store, if he bashes into me with a cart or something, right? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but again, this is a this is a thing. Um, something that happens to us when we're depressed or anxious is we think that everybody in the world is looking at us and thinking something about us. And something that we have to drive home to people is like most people are so screwed up themselves that they're not worried about anybody because they're feeling the same way right so i think uh just like in therapy it's like i you know i'm never really judgmental of people because they're they're doing such a brave thing and i want to be a part of it Mm -hmm. yeah now in the pews i do judge people who sit next to me in the pews <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, every, I mean that's an important thing. So, to do. what is what is the family family of origin issue around people who hold hands during the Our Father? Oh wow, I don't even think I can get into it. It's too dangerous. <laughs> it's too dangerous. <laughs> what about the people who actually try and grab it when you're holding your hands together? That's like a that's tough. I've had people no, I gotta that. be honest. That, I'm very that grateful. is an act of violence, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's a microaggression. It is an act of violence to try to take someone's hand who doesn't want to hold your hand. That is that is social terrorism, and there's no place for that. Not in, in my the church. Sacrifice no the way. <laughs> I will. I, I will. This is where I, I'm going to boast a little bit. In BC, at the very least, I have yet to be in a church where people hold their hands during the Our Father. That's incredible. But at the same time, can I say I don't like it, and I don't like to hold people's hands. But it's also yeah. like, yeah. is it really that big of a deal as some people? I mean, it's not a big deal, right? I know it's like, ah, it's not in the germ and somebody started it and blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know. Can't we just let yeah. people do yeah. it too? I think there's there's two things. One, I think this is a thing in canon law. And if Ed Condon's listening, he can it's correct me on Twitter. It's not a thing in canon law. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't even know uh, what he's going to say. <laughs> a custom oh, that has been yeah, yeah. uninterrupted for yeah, 30 yeah. years in the parish has the force of no law. No kidding. 30 years? Wow. Four, I thought yeah. it was 40. I thought it was 40. Uh, I'm remembering 30. I think uh, Ed, help us I'm out. I'm going to try and like, start something at my parish. I'm not planning on moving <laughs> right. anytime soon. It has to be uninterrupted. And then afterwards, the bishop can change that law, but it's a different process from what I understand. That is fact. Isn't so, being Catholic the best? I mean, seriously. It's so crazy. <laughs> so, Tommy, you just need to bring a thurible every week to Mass, and then incense every week at Mass will be force of law after 40 years. I was thinking about riding a unicycle up to receive communion. <laughs> I don't know if that's... How many people have to do it? <laughs> people are uncoordinated enough. Yeah. I know this from giving communion on the tongue and yeah. in the hand. We don't need unicycles. That's the yeah. last thing we need. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So the other question I had for you, Tommy, is how does your faith work with what you do? And do you ever have times where you're speaking with someone like, oh, man, this person just needs Jesus? Or do you find any conflicts or compliments? How does that work in your life? Well, I work for the government, so that's something to keep in mind uh, at first. So, um, But really, I, you know, the thing that I probably bring from our faith most into into the therapy room is – um, that someone's dignity and their value doesn't depend on how they're feeling or what's happened to them or mm-hmm. uh, how low their functioning is at any given moment. I think that's a powerful thing that, gosh, I don't think very many people give our Catholic faith credit for really hanging on to that. And the secular mm-hmm. culture doesn't believe that at all. You know, it's like if you're not getting up and going to work because you're depressed, like you're worthless. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's like the message that mm-hmm. we get. And so I, I think that very few people actually hear like you matter even though you're suffering so much that you can't get up, right? Like people look at you and they think like, just get up and go to work. What's wrong with you? But you can't, you don't have the motivation. Mm -hmm. You don't have the drive. You feel apathetic toward everything. Nothing brings you pleasure. 
And on top of it, the message you're getting from your boss and your family and your friends is like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're not contributing mm -hmm. anymore. Like, if you just got up, maybe you'd be happier. And I think that just being able to sit with someone and tell them, like, you still matter. You have dignity no matter what. Um, just because of who you are, you're a human being, right? Like I don't say like, because you're made in the image and likeness of God or something, which is like the real reason mm -hmm. that they have dignity, but you know, getting close yeah. to it or whatever. Right. Um, and I think that really sits well for people because mm. that's not a message we hear, which is such a weird thing because the secular culture is so bonkers about like love and compassion. I don't understand why they can't talk about everybody having dignity, but they really don't. Um, mm -hmm. and it's a really sad thing. So that's a, that's an easy message to take from the faith. Uh, over one time I, uh, was a very new therapist and really into my faith and, uh, was talking to somebody who just couldn't forgive. They couldn't forgive this one person for something that they did. I knew she was a Christian cause she made references to going to church all the time. And I said to her, well, don't you know, like the, what, do you ever think about like the, our father and like how important it is to forgive because we need to be forgiven. We have to forgive to be forgiven. And she immediately said like, what are you Catholic? My church doesn't force me to pray the, our father. And I was like, Oh, wow. I'm too, I'm too uh, new at this therapy thing to be, to be doing this. Yeah. Whoa. I was like, uh, yeah, I am Catholic. <laughs> Sorry. You find, like, have you ever found like professionally that like conflicts between faith and profession? Um, the only time I can remember something like that was, uh, we had, uh, I worked with a colleague who was having a, a client or a patient who wanted to have an abortion and couldn't get a ride. And she was like asking in the staff meeting if she could drive this patient to go get her abortion. Um, and it was like not in my hands to decide what she would be able to do or not. But I remember just like this tense feeling of like, like, what do I do? Like, well, how do I, how do I say something, you know? And I think I said something like, well, you know, like, I mean, if she has a mental illness, like, shouldn't we be like really careful about like what we're doing and not just driving her or something like that. Right. But it was like more, is this in my scope of practice uh, for this other person, for this colleague? So uh, I've never been presented with that obviously, but, um, but yeah, that was, that was tough. Very tough. I think another thing people struggle with is the idea of medication. I've you know, talked to some people say, oh, I'll go see someone, but I would never take any kind of drug for my mental illness. And that's an anxiety, I think, for a lot of people or a worry. Um, what, what would be your response to those worries? Uh, I would say medication's necessary sometimes for people, right? That's just a plain fact. Uh, a, good, a good rule of thumb, if you're feeling really depressed, is to think about why you're feeling depressed. Um, I will typically ask somebody a question like this if they're on the fence. Like if you had everything you wanted, if you had like the best house and you had enough money to get anything that you wanted, would you still feel this way you think or would you be happy? And then some people will say, I don't know why, but I still feel like I would have this cloud over my head even if everything was perfect. And it's like, okay, so this isn't because of something, you know, it might be compounded because of things that are happening in your life, but this is something biological that's happening to you and you can't describe it. And I can talk to you week after week forever. I can't fix mm -hmm. the fact that you don't have enough serotonin floating around in your brain or getting hooked up with the receptors, right? Um, I think people need to realize it doesn't have to be permanent, um, especially anxiety medication. It shouldn't be permanent, really. Um, and I think people have to realize that mental illness is an illness, right? It's like I have high blood pressure because of my my birth parent, my aforementioned 18-year-old birth parents. They, you know, curse me with high blood pressure. I I feel like 
stigmatized a little bit because I shouldn't have high blood pressure. I'm like 37. Right. But like, I have to take a medication or I will have a heart attack, like in my fifties. Right. And it's like, I don't want to, but I have to, there's nothing that can fix this problem except for medication. And for some reason, we don't believe that with mental illness. Um, and that's a huge disservice to people because they suffer so much longer because they think that they should be able to think their way out of it. Uh, I would say it's especially bad for people who are smart, which is kind of a weird thing to say. But if you're really smart and you're really intelligent, it's kind of a curse because you think that you should be able to figure this out. You sit around and think about it constantly and you, you, know, you just can't figure it out. Um, so I think people need to kind of given a little bit so this this brings up because my experience is i think sometimes unfortunately i I don't know maybe i'm out on the field on this you can correct me if i'm wrong i feel like sometimes the word depression is almost thrown around too flippantly oh sure yeah okay okay, i mean same with bipolar Um, people like oh it's so bipolar or someone's like oh this culture is so schizophrenic and things like that it's like doesn't yeah yeah exactly okay okay so what what would you say like because i think sometimes people think Maybe they don't know the distinction between I feel just down right. and depression. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really important distinction for people to understand. And maybe if you can bring some clarification for it, I think that'd be really helpful. It's for interesting because like on the flip side, before I answer, I would say on the yeah. flip side for women who have recently had a child, I think they're overly convinced that what they're experiencing is like the baby blues instead of like postpartum depression. Like, And people will be like, oh, everybody gets the baby blues. You'll feel better. And so people ignore it and don't get it treated. So that's kind of a flip interesting thing. Um, the best key to figuring it out would be uh, we, we focus on like your impairments in functioning is what we would say. If your depression is causing you impairments in your ability to function, right, uh, in certain ways like accessing healthcare, having friends, going to work, uh, financial troubles, right? If if your depression's keeping you from succeeding at those things, that's depression. That's like a serious condition, right? Um, it's not just uh, I feel sad because something happened or I'm just kind of down today. Um, but when you're starting to not be able to function, one of the keys to is um, pleasure finding pleasure in life. Um, we call it anhedonia, which is like when you don't find pleasure anymore in the things that you used to find pleasure in, that's like a huge, huge tip off. Like, I don't know when I would come home from work and play with my kids like six months ago, it brought me a lot of joy. Now I come home and play with them and I feel nothing. Or, you know, now I go out to in and out and I get a cheeseburger and I bite into it and I feel nothing. It's like, that's a really good key. Wait, that, that's possible. <laughs> that's big time depression. Yeah, that's huge. You need wow, electroshock okay. therapy for that one. <laughs> Um, but that's a big key things that you used to find pleasure in aren't pleasurable anymore that's that's a huge huge red flag because well i think too i think that's even helpful for us like priests when people are talking to us those are helpful distinctions to keep in mind when we could say have you thought about this might be depression without like that way you're not throwing it around flippantly um but you hear these key things and you think i mean i don't know but maybe you should go talk to a doctor about this. Sure, yeah. Because the doctor might say, hey, do what? Actually, no, it's just you're feeling a little down for whatever reason. But like right? Father Anthony said in your guys' last podcast, if you walk in and you say, hey, doc, I think I'm depressed. They're like, cool, here's Zoloft. Take it and come back in six months. And you're like, oh, wow, really? That's it? Um, so it is, it's, it's a good idea to kind of maybe, uh, depending on where you are, usually there's like a mental health you know, access line, telephone number that you can call and, and get connected with somebody who can kind of kind of help you out yeah or at least they can or they have references sometimes i've I've found i was gonna say if you take meds if you try taking meds uh you know typically for people with depression it takes like two different tries before you find something that works for you typically it takes at least two weeks for a medication to start working so you really have to uh, give it give it a chance and i would say the thing i see a lot is that people 
take a medication. They say, dad, this med doesn't help me. And then they never come back, never tell anybody. And then they go on suffering. So you come back and be like, hey, this didn't work. And maybe there's something else that will help you too. The only time, like, I I, I mean, I, I got to be honest. Like, I've never, I don't, I don't know, looking back, like, listening to all your distinctions especially has been helpful because I'm like, yeah, I've been down those times, but I've never been depressed, I think. But I remember once, I, I think the only time I've ever really kind of suffered from anything was my first year of seminary. I went through, like, looking back now, it was definitely anxiety. Mm, yeah. I was, I was in the ER four times because I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Yeah, I'd say that's anxiety, Father. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know, <laughs> yeah. and and the problem was I was yeah. in seminary, and I didn't have any, um, I didn't have a family doctor because it's outside of my diocese. Right. So I don't, I don't, and so one time the ER doctor finally kind of gave me to say, "We'll just try these anti, well, these low dose antidepressants." But I remember, it was like the weirdest feeling I ever had in my life. Mm, yeah, like I felt like disconnected from my body almost. Yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't continue them because I was like this is just too weird like I couldn't control my emotions or anything and I was like this is too much yeah I mean one of the big things I, is like um, yeah. people who take medication sometimes would say well it made me not be able to feel anything and I felt better feeling depressed than feeling nothing and so that that happens sometimes but again it's like that's I was feeling everything <laughs> that's the opposite huh? I was like in the chapel crying my eyes out. I'm like why am I crying that's awesome I love it <laughs> But yeah, but that was the only time I, I remember. But looking back, I'm like, that was anxiety. And I kind of wish someone had the, uh, like, I wish someone on the formation team even that would have had kind of the sense to say, you know what, maybe you should go see the counselor we have on staff or something like that to talk to. Because this might be, this might be, I, I mean, actually, my, my spiritual director was kind of the, the psychologist on the team and he never noticed it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I'm like, I'm looking back, like, that was anxiety. I mean, thankfully, I kind of worked, I don't know, kind of worked through it. It's not an issue anymore, but that was definitely anxiety back then. See, you bring a therapist on, and Father Harrison just opens up. I didn't have to do anything. Exactly. See, there you go. Isn't that? Isn't that? (laughs) I actually kind of forgot about. But as you're kind of talking about the depression stuff, I just kind of I don't know. It just triggered something about, and the medication stuff. It just triggered this old story from seminary formation. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that you're. I'm glad that you're where you're at, Father Harrison. Me too. Thank you. Good. So, uh, any final thoughts, Tommy? Anything else you want you want to tell the people before we wrap it up here? Uh, I love you guys. I hope that you get Aww. help. Not you guys. I'm too, talking Tommy. to the fans. Yeah, oh. the fans. Oh, ouch. <laughs> ouch. ouch. I, I just, uh, yeah, I think you guys are great. I think you guys need to remember that you have dignity and get help when you need it. And please, uh, I think people need to feel compelled to talk about suicide, right? Bring it up. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Not, mm-hmm. Don't be scared of it. Um, and talk about miscarriage and all these things that people mm-hmm. go through, um, that people in our parishes, people who are, you're going to see on Sunday at church have experienced these huge things that we, if we built community around them, we would be a lot healthier. So be willing mm-hmm. to share your story, right? Like just walk up mm-hmm. to some dude drinking coffee outside after mass and be like, Hey, did your wife ever have a miscarriage? No, don't do that. But you know, I mean, figure out some way to do it. That's tactful, more tactful than I can come up with and just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, be open. But before we go, I have, I have one question for him because we were asking it beforehand. And you told me, save it for the podcast. So I saved it for the podcast. Oh, okay. So Tommy. Father Anthony is so tired. Father Anthony is so tired. It's so sad. I know. <laughs> um, is the chimney ever coming back? Perhaps. Perhaps. You know, the, perhaps. the truth is like it uh, made my, my experience on Twitter like uh, less enjoyable because I was always looking mm. for funny tweets. And mm. um, yeah, that's kind of that's the reason that I stopped. What did you think about the fact that like, people were kind of like, almost like eagerly waiting to see if they made it this week. Uh, or my not. favorite thing was when people who I had not 
interacted with before would be like, you only follow 350 people and you claim to have your finger on the pulse of the Catholic internet. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm like, sorry. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So it was fun. It was fun for a good time. And um, yeah. Well, I can share with the viewers, like when we were talking about doing this podcast, um, we were just talking about, okay, yeah, what do we want to do? I, we we kind of were talking about, like, the chimney is a really kind of cool way to kind of get involved with an audience. So that's kind of part of where our Summa Tweetalogica came from. I don't remember talking no, about that. Really? You don't? I think it was just our idea. You, you guys No, stole you're from lying. Me. I'm pretty sure I, I don't remember that. talking about Tommy at all. Isn't it good, though? It's like that. that's the fun thing, right, about being able to really, like, uh, engage and get other people to look at other people's stuff. Yeah. And there's so many smart, yeah. funny people out there that are making Catholic Twitter yeah. enjoyable, so... God yeah. bless them. It's a good time. Hey, we know each other because we all know each other because of Catholic Twitter. Indeed. It's so. <laughs> I mean, we were, hey, Tommy, we were supposed to meet in January. Yes. Uh, unfortunately. But then you had I to know. go have and have a baby. Yeah. Didn't that line up just perfectly? I was that so was excited like, uh, because that was going to be our first ever like private mass with a priest. I was so pumped up. And then. Yeah, we're going to have we mass in my it. hotel room. We totally and we're going to go in and out. And there was a really neat thing nearby for the kids to go hang out for the day with the kids. It's just ca- and Catholic it Twitter's just... so funny, right? It's like when, when our son Charlie was getting baptized, like Jane Covemaker from, from up in Saskatchewan. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Saskatchewan. Yeah. She Saskatchewan. came down to like hang out and help us. Yeah. And like everyone was there was like, oh, how do you know everybody? And we're like, Twitter. And it's like, you know, we just had <laughs> yeah. Father, uh, Father Stephen from the Oblates come over for dinner. And it's like, Hey, yeah. my dad's like, how do you guys know each other? And it's like Twitter and people. And it's weird. Yeah. It's like yeah. the new it's Catholic awesome, match. Though. Like you don't want to say that you know someone because of Catholic match. <laughs> but be, 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 I'm sorry. Before we go. Cause it's like, but it's kind of cool though. It's amazingly like, cool. I think. Except for the A part. We, that one I wouldn't. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I, I look at this and I, like every day I'm just like, I think to myself, we, you start to realize that the church is larger than even your local church. Oh yeah. And like I think for some people, it's helped them realize I'm not alone in my faith. I'm not alone in my beliefs. Um, and people are praying for each other. People are saying mass. Like you know, I, a lot of Twitter, like a lot, a lot of us Twitter priests are saying masses for people on Twitter and yeah, stuff like incredible. that sometimes. And and all these things, it's like wow, we're this is actually creating some awesome holiness. I mean, the support that really- we got when our son died was incredible yeah. and unbelievable it, it was so meaningful to us and it, even just like yeah. another example even though father anthony's like probably falling asleep right now it's uh you, you guys know father michael <laughs> lillidal he's like one of our friends he yeah. lives in the area and comes over mm-hmm. uh recently somebody who worked at his seminary like passed away in this like tragic car accident and like he was talking about it and we were like texting about it two days later i went to daily mass uh and the mass was like from another priest randomly offered up for her i was driving to work the next Mm -hmm. day and somebody on catholic radio was talking about her and just started praying for her on the air and it's like wow it it really hit that it hit home about like the universality of the church and i think um for me twitter has done that it has shown me that the body of christ exists here on earth and that we can really make a difference for each other in spite of all the other stuff and the jokes and all the garbage. But, but the prayer that happens in the the community is just incredible. It really is. Okay. Father Anthony, sorry, we're done. I guess we can't joke <laughs> about Tommy not being on. Well, I guess we could say he's not going to be on next week, but no, yeah, no, 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 no. So what, what okay. is I that was it? saying this is the end of the joke? On, what be, before you went on the five minute tangent, which was lovely. <laughs> yes. Before you did that, what I was going to say is this is the end of the Tommy Ty oh, joke. It had yes. a good run, but I think it's time for us to grow as a God podcast. God bless my mentions. We'll, fi- we'll find a different crutch. In other words, that- we've grown past Tommy. That's good. You guys have surpassed well, was, me. Uh, You've surpassed was- me. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, 
But genuinely, genuinely, I want to say, Tommy, thanks for being such a good sport with that. It's hilarious. Just playing along, and that was was fun. It's hilarious, and I think it's even more hilarious that whenever this comes out, no one's going to believe it until they click the link. (laughs) Right. We made a big announcement for last week saying that you're going to be on, and it was like, I know no one's going to believe me, but... Yeah. Well, it's... And the idea came from... We were talking... We were, again, we were talking about the podcast was... um, um, Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon. And? Did you ever? Well, this is how every say, sorry, we can't have Matt Damon on no, this week. No, I never we'll know. I've week. never heard that before. I've never seen it. Oh, really? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. It's it like a three year joke oh, on Jimmy Kimmel. Fantastic. And then, then Matt Damon is kind of jokingly takes over so the I'm show. So I'm Matt one Damon? Day. You're Matt okay. Damon. I could do that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> care a lot about water. <laughs> I do. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod <laughs> on Twitter or email us. Father really wants to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, Tommy, thank you so much for being yes. on. This is a lot yeah, of fun. I, I think it'll be helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, fun. Yeah. It was so, thank, so thank you for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can, you can find me at Fr Harrison. I, I wouldn't go find me anywhere on Twitter, but I appreciate you guys. <laughs> cool. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Peace. God bless. Cool. Thanks, so you guys. Just... Oh, let me click. <laughs>